0: Are they podcast listeners? A quick notice before we get started in today's podcast. If you are listening to this on the day it was released, we are only a matter of days away from the end of a Kickstarter campaign in which we are funding a new podcast miniseries about the Roman General Agricola. It's five episodes, available to supporters only, and you can find it now on Kickstarter. There will be a link in this episode's show notes and also on our social media channels. We've also announced the very special news that the introduction to those episodes will be performed by Ian McNeice, who played the newsreader in HBO's Rome. So I hope you give your support and look forward to listening to those episodes, but now, here's Emperors of Rome. Ave, and welcome to Emperors of Rome, a Roman history podcast from La Trobe University. I'm your host Matt Smith and with me today is Dr Rhiannon Evans, Associate Professor in Classics and Ancient History at La Trobe University. And with us is a very special guest, Brian Blessed. This is episode CXC, I Augustus. Brian Blessed is a revered British actor who for our purposes we will be fondly remembered for his iconic role as Emperor Augustus in the 1976 BBC television series I, Claudius. Brian dominated the screen with his performance and we were very lucky to get the chance to speak to him. Here's Rhiannon Evans and myself with Brian Blessed. Enjoy. Hello, Rhiannon. Hey, Matt. So recently we had the honour, privilege, pleasure of interviewing Brian Blessed who uh, played Augustus in I, Claudius.
1: Yep, it's an iconic show and he's an iconic character from it. And it was an enormous privilege to interview him.
0: He's he's very much a larger than life person, isn't he? He talked about a lot during that interview. I I don't know how much you remember it, but it was quite eye-opening editing it because uh, at one point he breaks out into song as Pavarotti. Do you recall that? I do. At one point, he demonstrates how physical Augustus is, and I'll leave this part of the interview in the episode, he demonstrates how physical Augustus is by grabbing his assistant Louise and essentially practicing phrenology on her skull. <laughs> he was... <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that?
1: Vaguely. <laughs> I remember Loui- Louise being brought into it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I remember him discussing his weekly chats with Ken Branner. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. Which, to be honest, since it's Brian Blessed, you can't even call it name dropping because mm. uh, both such big names. And I remember it sprawling far and wide.
0: Uh, yeah. T- to the extent where this is a highlight of our interview with Brian Blessed, because the Pavarotti stuff overmodulated the Zoom chat, as you would have, and uh, a lot of it was uh, look. When you interview Brian Blessed, you don't so much interview Brian Blessed as in you you grab hold of him by his scruffy beard and you hold on for dear life as he takes you wherever he may want to take you.
1: Yeah, he talked for most of it, I think, <laughs> medicationally
0: um, about I Claudius. Yeah, which, which is what we have here. So let's discuss. What did you think of Brian Blessed's performance?
1: It's strange, isn't it? I think if you'd read Suetonius' life and the other ancient sources about Augustus, then you wouldn't necessarily think of going to Brian Blessed for that role. Mm. And I think you also get influenced by other people you've seen playing Octavian or Augustus. Like in Cleopatra, Liz Taylor film, it's Roddy McDowell. More recently, we've seen two actors play him as a a more calculating type of character in HBO Rome. And I think that's probably closer to how I think the sources go with Mm -hmm. Augustus. Yeah. So, Brian Blessed, you get someone who's much more reactive, I guess might be the word, which fits with the famous, you know, Varus, give me back my eagles kind of annoyed aspect of Augustus. Mm. But a lot of the time, I don't think of him as someone who is blustery. Yeah, and I, and I don't say that as a criticism. I know blustery sounds like it is. But I think Brian Blessed does that better than anybody can. On the other hand, the way Augustus is portrayed in I, Claudius, in the novels, I mean, at least the first novel, he's not in the second one, I don't think it necessarily veers towards Brian Blessed, but I think it does work because, of course, the cold calculating character there is Livia. And so we do need to have an Augustus who's taken in by her and eventually murdered by her Mm. and, you know, accepts what has happened to various members of his family whom Livia has engineered that they die. But he must not suspect that. And so I guess from that point of view, it works. Also, the second layer of that is it's... 50 years almost since the production of I, Claudius, and his version of Augustus in itself has become iconic. So you kind of can't think your way around it now. I can't imagine I, Claudius without him.
0: Yeah, yeah. Iconic is a good way to put it. He is such a, a landmark of that series. He dominates the episodes that he's in, every scene that he's in. You're going... Oh, Brian Blessed's got something on his mind there. Augustus is is dangerous. He's a very dangerous person.
1: Yeah, that's the other part of it. Even though he comes over as kind of larger than life and good natured, there is that scary underlying aspect that can come out at any point. And I guess the other thing to say about I, Claudius, is because the main character is Claudius and he's so hidden in the shadows, Mm. it sort of makes sense that Augustus is the one who's more out there. Because even Livia, you could argue that Livia is the main character for one and a half series but she has to keep a lot of her actions hidden away whereas nothing about augustus is really hidden it's all there
0: yeah we'll put an interview clip here this is uh, brian blessed talking about how he got the role and then we'll, we'll circle back to this question and in true Brian blessed nature, he wants to spend the first minute of this talking about his role in Flash Gordon. So we'll just let him let him go with that.
1: I actually don't mind that because I am really <laughs> interested in his portrayal. But, but, but yeah. he will
2: get to I, Claudius. Wherever I go in the world, people want me to say Gordon's alive. And uh, A while ago, I went to the North Pole, the magnetic North Pole, and when we got within, <laughs> when we got within about thirty miles of the magnetic north pole, the ice broke in front of us, and a Russian typhoon submarine came through the ice. We were eleven of us on the British expedition, and the captain got off and he looked at me and he said, "Oh, it's him! Please say Gordon's alive." So I went, "Gordon's alive!" And I said, well, good. Come on board. And he took me on board the submarine. Oh. I wanted to stay on it. Oh. The Queen said, you know, Mr. Blessed, me and the grandchildren, we watch Flash Gordon all the time. Said, Would you mind saying to them, Gordon's alive? Said, Gordon's alive! She said, thank you so much. Everywhere I go, it's a cry of freedom. I never expected it. I mean, the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker—they all want me to say Gordon's alive.
0: So, giving the reason that we, we called you up, then, would you mind giving us a, uh, a "Where are my eagles"? Was
2: going you mean I say, say uh, yes, I say that stiff-necked fool Quintus Varius. Where are my eagles?
0: I oh, Claudius must have been uh, such a great show and there's such talented people involved with it. Can we start by talking about how you came to play Augustus?
2: I, I love doing I Claudius and the fact that a marvellous cast When people couldn't understand why I was cast as Augustus Caesar and the director. Uh, there was a big, um, all the cast were asked by the press to meet and the director directed me in Zed Cars, and he never, I, I don't think, Obie Wise ever liked me. He always found me too tough in Z Cars. Uh, so when they said, we're doing I, Claudius, John Hurt, Patrick Stewart, and, and George Baker, the whole cast, and Sean Phillips, the press were there, and I was there. And the press said, uh, well, uh, Mr. Wise, we, we, we love the casting. The only thing that we can't understand is, why have you cast... Brian Blessed as Augustus Caesar. He said, Well, because no one can shoot crap like Brian. That's why I cast him. He said, Augustus talked a lot of crap. And Brian talks crap marvelously. Of course, the thing with Augustus was, he lived till he was 85, 86. uh, When you think of an American president, they live, American presidents, uh, in office for eight years at the most, and they look awful. But he was Caesar for nearly 60 years. He was a great success. Uh, I remember Herbie White said, I want you to make him totally natural, Brian. But of course he does tar- talk crap. Uh, you know, he'll suddenly say, how nice to see you. Oh, let me tell you, I'm going to miss you so much. Do you have to leave? Oh, I'll take you down to the port myself and see you off. And behind his mind, he's going, and I hope I never bloody see you again, or I'll cut your bloody head off. He was actually brilliant. So Brian says there
0: that the producer told him when he got the role that no one talks crap like Augustus, and Brian talks crap marvellously. Would you say that that accurately sums up what Augustus is? Does he talk crap really well?
1: (laughs) Well, I think he was being slightly self-deprecating. But clearly the producer wanted an Augustus, and Brian himself said that it wasn't universally popular, wanted an Augustus who was very much out there, wasn't scheming, will just say whatever's on his mind. A much more gregarious, outgoing Augustus than we might expect, I suppose. Rather than talking crap, I would say friendly to the point of not really thinking about what he's saying, perhaps.
2: When I got it, I thought... It was an all-star cast, and I got the part. For the first seven episodes, it's all him. The first two weeks in rehearsal, none of us could play the parts. Sean was bad. I was bad. George Baker, Derek, everybody, everybody in it, Patrick Stewart, the whole lot. We were all John Hurt, We were all bad. We couldn't get it off, and they thought we might have to cancel it. And so they got Jack Pullman in. He watched the rehearsal and said, this is bloody awful. I said, but when I was adapting it, Jack Pullman said, it came to life for me when I thought of the Mafia. And as soon as he said Mafia, it freed me up. I understood. Therefore, the great note was Mafia. So I say to you now, oh, it's so nice to see you. Isn't it nice? I'll probably cut your bloody head off.
0: So Rihanna, and one of the things that he tells us in that interview clip is that he was told by the director slash producer that, that the Julio-Claudian family should really be thought of as a kind of mafia family, that this was a crime family. And I guess if you want to look at it this way and the way that they interacted with each other and the concept of family, you can draw a lot of parallels between I, Claudius and The Godfather and the way that those family members interacted with each other. What did you think of that kind of comparison that he made?
1: Well, it's funny. I I guess I don't think of it so much like Claudius. But in retrospect, I'm thinking about our conversations about HBO Rome, Mm. where we sort of talk about that and the Sopranos at times are sharing a lot of themes and issues. And, of course, they can come out of the same wheelhouse as well. And particularly thinking about Livia saying, I'm a Claudian, I always have been that does set up those kind of families that are apparently have merged together, but still she has loyalty to her natal family mm. over the one she's married into over the Julians. So that is definitely going on. And of course, she's promoting her family all the way through and knocking out his family. And then when we get the further history, when we go beyond Augustus, certain emperors become very tyrannical and and behave in some quite reprehensible ways because they have supreme power, so they can be like a Godfather figure. So I think there are aspects of that, yeah. And of course, while HBO Roman Sopranos weren't that far apart in time, Godfather films and I, Claudius, uh, they're all happening in the 70s, Yeah, at least the Godfather films worth watching.
0: All right, let's go back to the interview now. Uh, He's going to talk here about the experience of of filming it a bit, and then it'll go into uh, his death scenes, one of the most iconic scenes that... He plays in I Claudius and something that he is definitely remembered for. Uh, so we'll talk about that on the other end of this clip. Off we
2: go.
1: So the entire series was filmed in a studio at the BBC. Um, would you have liked to go to Rome to film it?
2: With I Claudius, when we filmed it, there's only two places where you could film it. You can't film it in Rome, the, uh, down the Forum, and that way, because it's ruins. The only two places we could do it was in studios in Britain, television center, or film it in America. When you look at America now, look at the Senate House and all this, that, and the other, all the buildings a great old marble floors. We could have filmed it there because the Americans very really like the Romans. That's why the Americans loved it so much. But, we could, but you could use the architecture of America. But they built sets at television center uh, which had blue assembly, red assembly, uh, uh, and green assembly. And they, they built them, they had a subterranean departments below the ground, and they came up with all the sets on And they looked wonderful. So in actual fact, you know, this idea that you've got to go somewhere. No, no. And in this day, and age now, with special effects, you can do anything.
0: So one of the most iconic scenes in I, Claudius, was your death scene. And... And Livia had a long speech during that. And you're on camera for the entire scene, essentially dying. And you need to be still for it. Can you talk me through that? It looks like it's an incredibly
2: hard scene to film. It hit the headlines in the paper. I was, I've always been so lucky. And Herbie Weiss said, well, we're all heartbroken today, Brian. And after several weeks and months of filming, today you're going to die. And he said, "Sean has 10 pages of dialogue, Sean Phillips as Livia. I'm not going to be on her face at all, which she didn't like. I'm only going to be on your face. It's going to be four and a half, five minutes, and you die immediately, as I say, action. And you've got to keep your face still. I want to see Rome die on your face. It can't be done. If you see somebody die in a film, it's seven seconds. You'll see them for seven seconds. After that, they start moving the island. Or they freeze frame. I want it live. I want your, I see your eyes almost rotting. I'm just going to keep the camera. She'll be talking all the time, and we see Caesar die, and they put the camera on me. Say action, action. I did that for five minutes, and it. There's tears going down my cheek, but that. What happened with a dead person? You see, what was happening was my throat was filling up with saliva, so I expected you. it. Anyway, got all the headlines of the paper, of course, they had a curtain moving behind my head so they, they show that it wasn 't fabricated
1: that's an amazing scene i, I didn 't realize how difficult it must have been to act it.
2: Oh, terrible, as I said, it's usually about seven or ten seconds. you know people just go oh, oh. if you're dead on a slab, it 's only for a few seconds, and then they 're on something up. bloody eyebrows are flicking, but no. Of course, it'd be natural that your eyes, a dead body, the uh, it would water. But you see Rome die in a face, and she says uh, after five minutes, Tiberius walks in, and she says, "Caesar is dead." And Tiberius says, "No, the earth would shake." And she said, "Then she said, of course, the famous line. Oh, by the oh, by the way, don't eat any of the figs." <laughs>
1: Did you only film that scene once, or did you have to repeat it?
2: No, 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 no. Uh, as I as I finished it, this is, and here's Brian Blessed, been of Everest, by mighty mountains and crossed deserts, been all the crashed in South America in the forests, in a bloody plain, I'm frightened of nothing, but nevertheless, at the end of this take, this five minute take, the lights started all faded before I could complete the last twenty seconds. I said, "No, the lights have gone off." Oh, bloody hell! We'll have to go again. I did it twice. So, what did you think of that scene, Rhiannon?
1: It's always great to watch that scene again because you've got the split focus of Augustus's face and Livia's voice, mm. and you know Brian Blessed doesn't say anything, but he shows his emotion just through the his face, what's going on on his face, which a very good actor should be able to do. Watching it again, he's he's dead from about halfway through, mm-hmm. I think. But before he's dead, presumably he's already realised there might be something suspicious about Livia because he has insisted that she does not cook his food or have anything to do with it. Hence, she has painted the figs with poison that he picks from the tree. But he he has realised she has schemed her way around him and that she's responsible. Mm. And he has to show that realisation
0: The betrayal.
1: The betrayal on his face. Yeah. Yeah. It's very moving.
0: Yeah. And amazing that that was only two takes.
1: Yeah, exactly. Although you wouldn't want to have to do too many, would you, with the (laughs) keeping still for the whole second half of the speech? Yeah. I mean, I think it only works because they're both so brilliant at what they do. So she sounds both sad and self-satisfied. I don't know how she manages both. Yeah. And he's so disappointed and so betrayed. And then the very final flicker, I think, sort of accepted it. Mm-hmm.
0: I found it really difficult to watch that scene just once because splitting my focus between two very different, very brilliant performances was almost impossible to do and take the entire scene in. You know, I wanted to watch Brian Blessed because of Brian Blessed and then I wanted to listen to what Chian was saying such an unusual way, an ambitious way to film that sort of scene, I Mm. think.
1: And thinking back to the, you know, is this the right person to play Augustus? Because you get to see his face for so long there, I was thinking, you know, we we know about Augustus that his public image is frozen at about the age of 30, but he lived into his 70s. -hmm. That might well have been how he ended up looking. That looks about right, given the... Face we have from when he's 30. If you add another 40 years onto that, then I think he looks right for the part.
0: Having said that, Brian Blessed would have been about 30 odd
1: players. I know. I remember Sh- Sean Phillips talked about hours and hours in makeup, didn't she? Of yeah. Having yeah. this face constructed, and yeah. it must have been the same for him. All
0: right. So the next scene that Brian will be talking about and that uh, we will discuss as well is what Brian called his most favourite scene in I Claudius. And that was where Augustus is interviewing, questioning a lineup of senators who have apparently slept with his daughter and the different uh, emotions and ways that he's he's talking about that and how threatening it is Mm. and how dominating
2: he can be in that sort of scene. One of my favorite scenes is the scene in which 17 senators sleep with my daughter. You know the scene? And I walk amongst them and say, have you slept with my daughter? Have you slept with my daughter? Have you? Yes, he's Yes, and you? And you? And you? And you? And I go down the whole thing. Well, not slept. Oh, standing up. Did you do it standing up? Of course, it's incredibly funny. But you know that they're all going to be given a slow death. He'll keep them alive for six months and torture them. And then... He'll give them all a blood transfusion and keep them alive and do it all over again. They are going to die horribly. And there you see the power, the sudden power of Augustus. Have you slept? Have you? Have you? And he said, is there anybody in Rome who has not slept with my daughter? Get rid of I'll see to them. I'll banish her, his daughter, to an island. Marvelous. See, You dream about dialogue like that, don't you? When I started my TV career, Trafford Johns, he was very famous as Inspector Barlow. I was Francis Smith, and he was the great Inspector Barlow. I was always having fights with him, verbal fights. And he was ordering me around, though I protest against it. And when I did that line of senators, he was one of them. The actor, Trafford Johns, was one of the senators. I walked along and have you slept with my daughter? And I suddenly came across him. Don't I know you? <laughs> no, Caesar. He managed to reply. It's not in the script. He says, have you? have you? Have you? Don't I know you? No, Caesar. Because he was Inspector Barlow, and I was PC Fancy Smith. <laughs> he was in the same studio. That we'd done the scene. And now he was a senator and I kill him.
1: <laughs> it's really amazing that you remember all those lines still after all of these years. Do you recall anything that was shot that then got cut out from the show?
2: It was a wonderful series to do. And one day in rehearsal, I did this long speech, and it wasn't in the script, which had been written by Graves, in which Augustus Caesar describes himself to the Senate. Unfortunately, it had to be cut, which everyone was heartbroken about because he explained who he was. And it was a fascinating speech. And Jacoby, Jerry Jacoby, we, we'd been in rep together, in repertory together. And a lovely man, we were still very close, I see him now and again. And a scholar left his crossword and left everything to listen to this. No one had ever heard it before. And I learned it. And in it, Augustus says, you know, some of you think I'm weak because I weep, because I easily cry. Oh, yes, of course I easily cry. When I'm moved by people, I cry. This is not weak, it's a, I believe in moderation in all things. And it's a wonderful speech, so I'm sorry we lost it. We did film it, it's in the archives somewhere, but they couldn't put it in the episode in which it describes what he is and so forth. Lovely stuff.
0: So what kind of direction did you bring to Augustus then? You you were very formidable and physical with the other actors that were in your scenes.
2: So that when you're with people, instead of talking to them like this or being Caesar, just come here. Come here, come in. Come come <clears throat> just get to, so that in actual fact, just get close to me. <laughs> it in instead of talking to them like this, you know, you, you, you're in actual fact, and how are you then? It's nice to see you today. <laughs> I, you're looking good. And how are you? And so I suddenly... now you've And so in actual fact, it came to life. It's Augustus, but he's hiding his politics behind it. He makes out sometimes he doesn't quite know what he's doing. And, oh dear, get, and this, that, and the other. You know, but in actual fact, I shall kill that bastard. I said to Tiberius at one stage, Tiberius, don't you ever cross me. Don't ever think because I'm sweet and this and that. And this. I defeated Mark Antony and he was twice a man you are. And it suddenly would come up. Touching people and touching things. And also the toga. So people do, do kind of classical things. Togas don't fit properly. They fall off the shelf. And as long as you don't look at it, as long as you just talk to somebody, and you do that, and you continue talking, then the toga becomes part of you. Togas don't fit. And so in actual fact, I found that I could therefore, you know, with a toga, get hold of it and just wipe myself and push the toga back again and go on talking. I was always scratching my head. And, you know, if I got angry, oh, dear me, where's the German ambassador? I didn't straighten my hair for the rest of the scene. So it's organic. You know what I mean? Shaking hands. I was always touching people. Very tactile.
0: So and one of the things that he tells us in that interview clip is that the physical performance of Brian Blessed in this, uh, it's very iconic. We've got no inkling that Augustus acted that way, but it definitely brought something to this character and uh, the way that he, he manhandled everyone that he was in a scene with. Uh, I don't know if you could get away with that now. <laughs> he also spoke about how he used the toga as essentially a prop in every scene mm. and that you you kind of got that freedom when you were playing Augustus.
1: Yeah, he actually usurped the the power that Augustus would have had yeah. to to use those freedoms. Yeah, he's... I think that no one can now play Augustus without thinking about his performance. That's the kind of stature it's got. And, and, you know, I think subsequent performers have probably tried to do something different. They've had to. There's plenty of space for that because it is very specific. And also, why would you want to try and be Brian Blessed? You're not going to be able to do it. Mm. So it has become a touchstone, I suppose, for playing that role or maybe for playing roles of Roman emperors full stop. That was Brian Blessed,
0: Rhiannon Evans, and myself, and you've been listening to Emperors of Rome. If you like this episode, dip back into our archives. We've got an interview in 2020 that we did with Shian Phillips, who played Livia in I, Claudius, a very nice companion to this episode. You can subscribe to Emperors of Rome on any readily accessible podcasting platform, and please leave a review there if you like it. You can follow Emperors of Rome on our social media pages on Facebook and also on Twitter, Rhiannon is at Dr. Rhiannon Evans, I'm at Nightlight Guy, and the podcast is at Rome Podcast. That's it today for Emperors of Rome, so until the next episode, I'm Matt Smith, you've been quicker than boiled asparagus, and thanks for listening.